Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Andy. Hey, hey, hey. Duncan. Hey there. And Jeff. Yellow. Last episode, we did the end of the fall 2021 anime season. This episode, we are doing the beginning of the winter 2022 anime season. Um, uh, as is the case with winter, it's, it's, it's slimmer pickings, I feel like. As is the case with like winter crops, not necessarily winter anime. Usually winter anime is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are going to go into the, the five total shows we're watching. Wow. <laughs> I mean, there's really continuations as well. That's yeah, the there's continuations as well. And I might just rewatch the stuff I liked from last season better. But anyway, <laughs> uh, before then, uh, let's go ahead and go into Akebi's Sailor Uniform. Uh, this had enthusiastic uh, responses from everybody except Duncan, who is too cool for wide-faced girls who want to go to private school. <laughs> and yet, I'm also got, got it lined up to watch. I just haven't got round to it. It's just like there's, there's... It's, it's it's fine. Andy can talk yeah. more, but it's it's fine. You may not um... actually want to watch it after we're finished talking about it. <laughs> I, 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 Andy, I Andy, hype it up! Hype it up! <laughs> I don't know what y'all chatting about. I I love Akebi Chan's uh, Sailor Fuku. Um, my my wife picked up the manga um, a couple of years ago mm -hmm. and just started reading it. And the thing that um, always struck to me about the manga was just the amount of uh, complexity and level um, that this single mangaka goes into doing some describing and viewing some fairly mundane things like putting on a school uniform or or like uh, you know like skimming a stone jumping and doing like a pirouette and all this kind of stuff is, is so beautifully done in the manga um, that I was just like, if this turns into an anime, they have to have this ridiculously high budget to even match the beauty of the manga. And I am so, so happy to, to watch it and just see it be fucking beautiful throughout. There isn't much of a story. <laughs> I will give. I will give you that. The, the show is not about story. The show is not about conflict. The show is very much about a healing show about Akebi Chan going to a high school that her mum was um, a big proponent of. Like went to and had a sailor uniform, uh, and then she wished that when she gets into that that school, if she gets into that school. She wants her mum to make her a sailor uniform and then, um, and then you know, enroll in that school. So she does, and then it turns out that she's the only one with the school uniform. Uh, it turns out they actually changed it to a more traditional, like, uh, Western blazer stitch, uh, like, <laughs> after, his, after her uh, leaving, but due to the fact that it still is technically the school uniform and knowing the the reason why Akebi's wearing it, they the Prime Minister allowed only her to wear the sailor uniform if she wished. Prime Minister? Pardon? <laughs> the Prime Minister of the school. Did I say the Prime Minister? School. I meant... You said Prime Minister. <laughs> I, meant... I, hear she, I hear she's been having parties when they're supposed to be... <laughs> yeah, she totally did. Uh, it's supposed to be isolating. <laughs> the headmistress. The principal. <laughs> headmistress. Yeah. What the fuck is a principal? It's the headmaster or headmistress. <laughs> Fuck. It's a principal's an American headmaster. I know, I know, I know. I'm just, just 
<laughs> well, I don't know how the, the, your backwater little island. I can't. I can't know. You got you. You got you got public and private schools mixed up, as I understand oh, it. So I don't know. I don't it, know what I'm supposed to. That fucking winds me up. I hate it so much. Uh, genu- <laughs> but that's not why we're here. Um, <clears throat> and so, what it eventually essentially is is Akebi Chan's very low cost drama and sort of being at school and there's no conflict. Like, even when you think there will be conflict, it turns its head, your head, on expecting conflict to there being no conflict, which is actually, I think, quite impressive that I can still buy it, even though Akebi-chan, you know, their famous uh, high school, you know, introduction, she makes a complete fool out of herself. And you think of all the other ones where they've made fools out of ourselves. I mean, Komi-san, you're looking at, uh, Watamote and they're just like yeah like you're an idiot and then they sort of loved it <laughs> and then they loved her and she has no no hang ups but it's fucking beautiful and I can't stress how happy it makes me to watch a show that has such like precision to the animation and artistry involved uh, yeah I will say as someone I understand that you said, Jeff, that that this is associated with the same creative person who did Super Cub. Uh, right? As, as I understand Monica? it, they did the visuals of Super Cub, but this is the first time oh. that they are also the creative lead and writer. All of their other uh, credits mm. that I've seen is as a just an artist. Yeah, so they actually have pretty similar vibes about being like really chill, small scale stories about like people's singular passions. And I have to give credit to Kebby Chan over Super Cub. As much as I liked Super Cub, we were the Super Cub Super Club. But <laughs> Kebby Chan has a more like complex appreciation of of her like sailor uniform fetishism than the main character's name I've already forgotten. Lost to time forever. No one will ever know of Super Cub with her Super Cub. Yeah. Um, that she likes this idol and she like has this like closeness to her mother because of her family situation. Her father's always working and she never gets to see him. But and they live in this ridiculous idyllic like mountain cottage. Yeah. Just <laughs> he must he must he must be working all the time because his job pays a lot, I guess. I mean he is. But um but you see, I do enjoy you do see him, yes. which I thought was quite enjoyable. You actually see yeah. the the dad. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> it's not that like it's not like K own parent it's not like K own parents who just never see them and just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, they're paying for everything, but we'll, you'll never see them. <laughs> uh, I like that. Um I I like that it's a, a show about making a lot of friends, but the insofar as a KB is awkward, she is awkward in a very like interesting and winning way. It's not when I realized this was going to be a show about trying to make lots of friends. I'm like, Oh no, I just got through Comey. Uh, God preserve me. But, uh, but, it ten- it, but it, like, like a KB is, is proactive and like their first lunch with all the girls, like she, she makes friends with the entire mm-hmm. table. Some of them are like more, more sincerely connecting to her than others are. Others are just like, wow, look at this wacky country girl who just will do impressions on the con command for attention. Um, but it's nice to have someone who is like extroverted and charming be at the center of a try to make friends yeah. plot. <laughs> uh, so, so that's nice. Um, I like the diversity of the girls. There is an extremely good, like big eyebrows and huge forehead girl. There are two glasses <laughs> girls. So I have, have my pick of that fetish. Um, and we'll probably get to meet them all as a Kebby slowly, tediously wins them all over. So that's going to be fine, too. It's just kind of a boring show. And the art, while good, the characters look terrible. I hate those designs. 
They absolutely love them. They look like they're. Uh, I, I, yeah, like, like I disagree with all of you, but continue. <laughs> I find you're outvoted. You're outvoted, Andy. Yeah, like the facial structure of the show is definitely idiosyncratic. Like, I don't. I, I appreciate when you can like point at a style of a show and say like, okay, this is clearly different. Like you can tell at a glance that this is not just a generic show. You can also tell at a glance who the different characters are. Like they actually are, you know, you can tell them apart aside from, you know, what they're wearing and what their hair is, which is also like frequently a failing of these kinds of shows. Yeah. But I also get uh-huh. the f- sense that the, the manga especially is not, entirely interested in what's going on above the the neckline of any of the girls <laughs> to a large degree and there is a weird unaddressed oh, hoardiness to the show that is off-putting to me the guy who loves monogatari mostly because of how unaddressed it is and how it it it, it almost seems like the show feels guilty about doing it and like it's it's not it's not an exaggeration to say that they find an, a way to get Akabi to get undressed or to at least take her shoes off or to do something like that multiple times an episode. Yeah. Like the first shot yeah. of the most recent episode is like looking directly into her armpit as she does her hair, and like those are choices that people make, and it's it's very difficult to sort of like look past it. Like there is like like watching the most recent episode it's about her making friends with the sort of like stuck up class rep and the literature club girl and they both almost read like romance stories above anything else like it doesn't just seem like they're like making friends it seems like they're falling in love like Mm -hmm. the stuck up Mm -hmm. class prez like takes a like risque selfie and then sends it by accident in that like classic anime way of like whoa 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 send you know like the thing that everybody always does, especially when you can just unsend images nowadays. <laughs> and also, like you, know, like you know, when we were introduced to her, her first friend, you know, she walks in on her like clipping her toenails, and then to like get past everybody feeling awkward, she like takes a big whiff of her own barefoot, and it's just like it's true to life, but it's whack to put that in an anime. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, and there is there is there's. It, it it feels dishonest to like how unaddressedly horny it is. And like, we're talking and we're going to be talking about another show in just a minute that has a very similar interest in like <laughs> what, you know, things that girls are wearing and also being kind of horny, but it's like upfront about what it's doing. Whereas this show, it, it, the, the, the lengths that it goes to sort of preserve the innocence and purity of it all, while also sort of like leaning into these directorial choices, makes it feel greasier than any other like outright sex comedy to me personally i will not i mean i just can't i don't i can't feel it look at it very horny because they all (laughs) they all have like weird like space like smushed horse faces well that's what i mean like you know the the interest (laughs) in the girl starts at the feet and works its way up (laughs) i mean isn't that that's that's a line from some animes that i fall in love with a with a girl from the from the legs up is is like a literally a line by like some playboy i think it might actually be from kari kano i mean when akabi starts making friends with the class prez she opens with you have beautiful legs can i see them can you pull your skirt up please and (laughs) and that's not like a joke that's not an exaggeration that's literally line for line what they're saying (laughs) and it was and she reacted in an appropriately what the fuck way so it's not like 
they're denying that they're, yeah. they're trying to just get away with horniness like the next show that we're trying to, we're going to talk about like they're pretty they know it's weird but that's kind of why i like it i, I just i just think it's fun it's funny it makes me laugh the other thing is worth noting is that it it, it really slams through the manga some of those there's some strange stills like that one that you pointed out where it's like uh with her armpit like that's one of the many color shots that is in the beginning of the chapters and same with uh the similar one where they <laughs> she took her first picture of her feet like from the ground up and it just sort of like does a weird pan that is all from the manga as like a colored version of the front covers and so whenever i see one of them i'm like I'm like, okay, they've they've just blasted through like four chapters in this episode. I, I believe it. I mean, yeah, I I can see where you're coming from. I don't agree with the faces. I love the faces. I think the faces are unique. Certainly unique. They are unique. Yeah, they stand out. The whole. I will also say I do not hate the faces <laughs> to the degree that Ben does. Like, I think they are mostly fine. I mean, I don't hate them. I'm watching the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, I wish that. I don't like any sort of show where I pause the animation and my first response is, Ooh, that's off model. And I'm like, no, that's just the character design. Um, and that happens constantly when I'm, when I'm pausing a Kebby, I'm like, Oh, Oh, oh no, never mind. It's just how they look. Everyone's got, it's like, I think it's just the perfect distillation of a mangaka's art them being translated perfectly to an anime. And I, I, I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Yeah, I can't argue I with, like, 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 yeah, like, the production values of this show are off the wall. Like, it is Phenomenal. insane how... Ridiculous. Yeah, like, every, like, I like it's hard to point out, like, a single shot that looks mm-hmm. cheap. Like, there's no, like, cheap panning. Mm-hmm. There's no, no... stills. There's way more motion than is strictly necessary. As a, like, just an execution of just pure craft, it is undeniably amazing. It's just that <laughs> what they're doing with that craft is eh, kind of suspect. <laughs> hey, no, it's a, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a slightly fan service show about a a girl who wants to make lots of friends, and every single girl in the class is different. Everyone's like got their got their archetype. I don't know. I I I I like it. I'm excited to see where it goes. I actually like like I said, just having a, like an outgoing person trying to make a hundred friends as opposed to like <laughs> yeah. When Comey says she wants to make 100 friends, you're like, good luck. Okay, sure. <laughs> Try 10 friends by the end of high school. But with this, it's... it's. Her intention is to make 100 friends. Like, there's no... In, there's there's literally... Comey's is, I mean. Oh, right, okay, yeah. There's literally no stakes yes. in this manga. And I, I really love it for that, genuinely. <laughs> it's just... Uh, <laughs> It's just beautiful. Um, the other thing I would like to point out, talking about the uh, the level of craft, um, if you look at the the subtitle, the uh, credits, someone is credited for being the actor for the sailor uniform. So they've clearly done fuck tons of rotoscoping and walking and mm-hmm. jumping and sort of trying to get see how sailor specifically the sailor uniform uh, will sort of flow and fall and you can tell on an on an incredibly flexible and I mean, athletic that's the other girl thing. Mm-hmm. like in the in her first moments on screen does like a triple lutz it's or great. something it's ridiculous <laughs> duncan were you gonna say something i was gonna say andy makes it sound a bit like non-on-biori but it's interested in the girls not the countryside yeah there's country no oh they they love their fucking they, rolling they mountains though like not and i don't mean the characters mm-hmm. uh <laughs> 
but no, they there's definitely the same. Like Andy's like weakness to pastoralism <laughs> is the way that I could incept him into so many mediocre <laughs> anime that he would feel the need to defend. Uh, I've always I've always demurred out of a respect, professional and personal, for for Andy, but I could poison him. <laughs> I'm I am very curious to see how this lives up to being in a Satan demographic. Yeah. Is it just the fan service? Is that what pushes it over from from a more just horny into a more yeah. It's, it's just it's just the it's just the publication. I don't it could be published mm-hmm. public published in jump, but they got a Sanem manga got the uh, publication instead. I don't feel that there's anything that particularly outstands it as Sanem. There are Yuri overtones for sure. Uh, yeah. Yuri is is the Yuri you know baiting is strong. Does the author usually work in Sanem mags? Is that why? I never. I, I still don't really have my head completely around like the like non demographics of Japanese media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I follow them on Twitter, and I know that um, the per- the person they. They draw a lot analog as well. That's the other thing you got to realize is like the manga, like a lot of that time is analog drawings um, as opposed to sort of digital. And, and again, you can, it shows, uh, but like, I don't know where they or how they got popular or what magazine. It wouldn't surprise me if, as this is their first uh, juncture as a manga, which is incredibly popular, uh, they just like, they, they just got picked up by someone. Because of the yeah. manga being... I mean, the art looks great. Like, I, I'm looking at the cover for the first manga volume, and just, like, you can always, you can almost always tell, like, a mangaka who's going to have really great designs because they'll draw every <laughs> fucking strand of hair. And, like, this this <laughs> yeah. cover is just, like, they, they are drawing, like, at the very least, individual locks, as opposed to, like, anime's kind of, like... Chunk of Construction hair. paper cutout hair, which sometimes <laughs> happens, yeah. <laughs> I really love this show, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I don't really care where it goes. If it stays the same fucking level, I'll be over the moon. I'm f- I'm fine watching her just like work her way through her fucking class and just befriend every fucking person. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to going into the drama club. I think that might be a big bit of it as well. Uh, I <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to meeting Five Head Girl with the big eyebrows, but that's that's me becoming a parody of myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, I big mean, old it's chunky, also... big old chunky like pickle slices eyebrows. I, I like love that it. Shit. I yes. love it. But like, I just also, <laughs> also that you know that scene. It's like a five-second scene. She just skims a stone across the river. In the manga, that's like five pages. Uh, the mangaka really views like the frame of a page as like just a single thing to draw, and doesn't really care about story. <laughs> uh, I love it, and I think it's beautifully adapted. I'm so happy. I'm so so happy. I, th- I think it says a lot about how something's adapted on on how they change the pacing or maintain the pacing from a manga and the next thing we're going to talk about is uh, my dress up darling and i think there's some quite obvious uh, changes in pacing in that the second episode in particular is is where they take essentially one scene and stretch it out for a whole episode and that one scene happens happens to be the horniest scene in, in they can possibly find <laughs> <laughs> We get ahead of ourselves. Let's describe what the show yeah, is. Yeah, let's explain what the show is. 
if we if we say it's a horny anime, that doesn't mean anything. We're yeah, just, that's like, just anime. our listeners gonna be like, yeah, I, what else is what I, else? Is I doing? imagine that scenes scenes like that is going to be rampant through this anime. I don't know. You can only measure someone so many times. But right now, we're talking about my dress up darling, uh, a rom com anime about a boy who is very into dolls and making clothing for them, and a girl who wants to get into cosplay uh, but has no talent for costume making or even really having a full idea of who her character is she just wants to become that character with the costume she accidentally discovers that he is into the into craft and she sort of drags him into her world yeah i this i think i was made fun of when i expressed like uncertainty if i was going to watch this because like oh it's beautiful art um and it's like a guy it's like a guy doing a thing um, that's very specialized and very technical. And I have to admit, like, in terms of, like, shows about, like, hobbies and vocations, which is a lot of anime that I watched even before I started doing this podcast, like, the fantasy of being a shy guy and the hottest girl in school is like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're into, like, vintage cocktails? That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Let's just, <laughs> and like, then, and then they, do that. It's, it's the dream. And then he also, she also shares a secret connection with you. That also happens to somehow yeah. get her in various states of undress. Uh. <laughs> yes, it's, but it's, it's it's why I assumed the vintage cocktails would do the job, but that is that is inappropriate. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, like the, the the fantasy of just having like this like really cool girl who's just like just like it's so awesome that you have this weird ass hobby that you have to hide from the world, and not because I like it's like a weird like dom sub situation or like a humiliation game. She just like. It's a it's the dream of validation, and the parts where uh, where Gojo um, uh, experiences just like this level of interest and curiosity that he just didn't think it was possible for other human beings to have about it. How he says that like he discovered this this form of beauty when he first saw a doll. Like he discovered what the word beautiful meant the first time he saw it, and has accepted that like no one else feels that way except maybe his grandfather. Um, and that's the part I like. And the part where, um, where this, the coolest girl in school is also like the most fearlessly exhibitionist girl in school. And it's <laughs> mm-hmm. like, yeah, take my measurements. I wore a swimsuit today, all my clothes off. And he's like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is what I mean about a show being honest for like what it's interested in doing. It's like, like you were saying, like it is a show yeah. that sort of 50, 50 wants to be a sex comedy and also wants to be, uh, you know, interested in the vocation of crafting co- like costumes and sewing in general and like the the culture of like going through and like getting all that stuff together. Yeah, like so I've I've watched cosplay focused anime before. There are tons of them. I think especially of um of uh Ona's uh character in Genshiken mm-hmm. who like her whole thing is making is making cosplay and like trying to like find a good outfit for everybody. Um, and also Saki's arc in Genshiken. But Genshiken is like, as Andy will probably attest, is pretty dry. It's a pretty dry anime about like what it is like to participate in a in a college anime club. And there's like a little bit of intrigue. The jokes but... in Genshiken are like, isn't it funny? This is how it is. Yes. <laughs> Except for the one bit where he breaks his hand at the beginning of Kamiket and refuses to leave, <laughs> even though he's in like absolutely exquisite pain and at the very end this is my favorite episode of genshin someone bumps his hand and he like drops all of his bags and like throws up because he's just in so much pain from a broken hand but um 
I love Genshin Ken, but it's interesting to like kind of like it's interesting to be into like painting dolls and having the coolest girl in school discover it to kind of see like the parts of like cosplay culture, the parts of like highly intensive, like nerd or traditional vocations um, get like an incredibly good art treatment. I love these character designs. Speaking of speaking mm-hmm. of me hating Akebi, I love everyone's design and, and dress up darling. Everyone looks so good. All the girls are like hot punk girls for no reason just because it's fashionable um everyone's got like a some sort of die job or fade going on yeah they all kind of do have same face stitch going on though the girls do yes and so does like dragon ball or even a kebby chan like everyone's face is kind of the same i don't know anyway that's i i don't want to go over a petty argument we live we live in different realities andy (laughs) ultimately but um but but no i i do enjoy that and it's kind of just like i'm using like Jeff alluded to earlier about his like Monogatari muscles. Like I have my Monogatari muscle memory where I just kind of like dissociate from the part of the episode where he's like got his nose practically up against her, her crotch as he's trying to like measure her thigh. And, but then again, in the next episode, he like has a sex dream and has to beat off at the beginning of <laughs> before he goes to school and then feels weird about it all day, which is how it works or yeah. how it works at least for me. I don't know if it's that's TMI, uh, <laughs> But like, yeah, so it is owning up to it in a way, but also it's a very much having its cake and eating it too, because like, it's like Evangelion putting like Misato promising fan service at the end of every single episode preview. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, that's a funny joke. Also, you do have fan service in every single episode mm-hmm. of, of escalating uh, lewdness and explicitness. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, it seems like they might have a pretty rich relationship i don't want to fall into another annoying senpai situation where like she just she's he's like people are gonna think that we're dating and she's like that's fine what if we were dating and he's like what (laughs) and she's like oh just kidding um but they're already laying the brickwork early and maybe it goes somewhere it probably won't but i'm always open to it it reminds me a bit of uh like that's that yeah. same same very polished look to it uh, along with that insider uh, sort of knowledge that it mm-hmm. it relies on it's more horny than that but um not by much it's pretty fucking horny yeah i was gonna say like what? dude what are you talking about <laughs> as i say not by much um, duncan i think that your brain is like polishing off like the sharp edges of psychono there's like <laughs> Twin tails whips him with her twin tails just by like swipping her head back and forth. <laughs> I mean, it's also not he's... like it's also not trying to be like weird and meta like Psychano was. Yeah. It's like it's a, it's a very earnest story about this kid who was like you know isolated. You know he he feels like he needs to be isolated because of his weird interests, and then like the like the overall arching theme of the show seems to be it's going to be you know be into what you're into and be proud of it and don't hide it because we see that you know gojo's sort of like defining trauma in the beginning of the show is that one of his young you know your childhood friends you know learns of his yeah and you know (laughs) she learns that he is into dolls and things like that's weird and gross and she like runs out on him and that sort of like makes him clam up and then the first you know thing that we see about the new you know this cosplay gal is you know she's just like you know very proudly and loudly into what she likes even though what she likes is kind of weird and we get like reaction shots of like you know pedestrians on the street like looking at them askance as she's like describing how difficult it is to get That's through talking like about a porn game <laughs> yeah like how difficult it is to get through the opening acts because like oh the main character keeps jizzing in his pants and i get game over scream she's like yeah that's really difficult to get past and everybody's <laughs> looking at it, like what the fuck are they talking about 
and like and, and it's and they've got like a good like sort of comedic rhythm to them too because like it's not a Nagatoro Chen where she's just like you know it's it's not a show where she's just like torturing him with her like weird hoardiness to like Did get him mash to do up stuff. Nagatoro and Uzaki Chen together. Yes, but like, <laughs> she, but like you know she is also like yeah, genuinely it, like a character who has like flaws and interests and wants to like have a, a genuine friend in what she, her interests are. Yeah, it, you you get the sense that she is that she is rich and that she feels isolated and that she's like she literally says like I can't help you so I'm happy to be the one spending all the money mm-hmm. um with this like awesome thing that you're doing. Um also she's totally in the right to spend that money because like <laughs> yeah. she's the one that wants it, not him. Yeah. Like she's putting in position on him, not the other way around. <laughs> yeah, but he see- he sees his interests as as an imposition and it is it is interesting that like there could be a lot more of like, as you said, Jeff, like a Nagatoro thing where she's like, oh, you're gross. Like I, you and your gross dolls, but actually I'm willing to put up with it because you amuse me. And no, she's just like real. She's mm-hmm. just, she just like really likes her shit and she's really down, down to party. And most of the obstacles are the character's internalized self-hatred about his hobby based on a single childhood interaction because this is anime. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Or she's just playing him so that she can get cosplay. That's that is some that's some dark Dojin spinoff shit, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, granted, we have no. not like we don't know where it's going. Like we don't know. Like we get the impression because like every now and then we get a little bit of interiority, and you know when she's trying to to press Gangam into being her uh taylor you know he, you know she's like oh i know you just did dolls but i've got this this guidebook and it's, you know, he's like wow you know it's it's got everything you need like how to pick uh the patterns and how to get the fabric and how to do everything else and then you know they sort of simultaneously think if she had this at first how come she can't do it herself <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the show's best jokes <laughs> yeah they're both just like wow why couldn't she do this herself <laughs> <laughs> i mean this is what i kind of wanted to bring on like i'm like uh, other anime that's kind of in sort of similar veins. The jokes land really well. Mm-hmm. Like the production's really high. The quality's ridiculously good. Good uh, pace. And yeah. Good pace. Yeah. Really good pace. Yeah. Even when that she's getting uh, measured up, and uh, <laughs> you know, there, there's still some very good animation in those jiggles, and it's it still is has its moments of levity as well. There's still, like a lot of good jokes in that that one scene yeah we've, um, we've talked around it and like it isn't like that is like a whole just like lucky pervert sequence you know they are trying to do it scene. they're trying to do it right but they're also like you know she is not really acknowledging how weird it is and every now and then you get the, the idea that like maybe she does kind of realize it but he's also like you know he's trying to maintain a professionalism but also like he can't deny that like there's this like hot naked chick in my room get the impression that it's because of her her enthusiasm to cosplay as the character that she loves outweighs any sort of embarrassment she may feel in front of a guy to sort of jump into her swimsuit, as well as just sort of her own brazenness, I guess, sort of combines into both. Um, brazenness. <laughs> the, the one thing I wanted to ask you guys about is like, while I was uh, watching it, I, I'm not sure if I was imagining it, but I think some of the animation is very finely done CG. And I, I was like, it. I'm a, and I wouldn't doubt it. 
And like I, that, yeah, that surprised I, me. Like for you don't often see CG used for close-ups. It's often used for long shots. But I was like, okay, I we're getting this like episode long scene of her being measured. I'm pretty sure a lot of these body shots are CG, and it was kind of str- kind of strange. Maybe just because they w- wanted accuracy from lots of different positions. Yeah, but that would be my guess. Keep it consistent. Don't have them going off model. I, I just think I just think a lot of that was maybe due to the fact of the style. It's like a very shoujo style, which kind of can look CG and shiny at a lot of the time. It, it wasn't shiny. It was more how the light moved. Um, there was yeah, yeah. When the light... I think it might as well just be how productions work now, especially with you know you got COVID, we got everything else. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. They're like they. Productions always have more CG than you think they do, and I do understand yeah. like when the light when the light falls too consistently or the line the line works too neat, it can kind of catch you out. I just think this is this show is at such a high level of artistic achievement that like of course there's going to be CG like we can't <laughs> COVID's going on they can't they can't they have to be able to cut these corners yeah. um, and they don't look cut they just mm-hmm. it looks too good is the is the t- classic like uncanny valley moment of that um, we know what we know what tweened frames look like and cg doesn't have that just like that shirabako episode anyway i also think like just these small attention detail on her like every time it's a new day she has different nails on uh and you know like she talks about the way that she's done her hair slightly differently and you're like yeah yeah you can see that it's it's very like gal culture um which i thought was quite impressive going going through I, i quite like in the op when it's sort of gojo sort of sort of you know very stoically going through his morning routine where we have uh god i can't i gotta remember this girl's name god damn it i'm apologize i know her last name i'm very polite (laughs) yeah kazagawa is sort of like rolling out of bed and watching anime and then gets a you know gets a look at the the time and sort of like quickly going through her morning routine and it's like it's it's good characterization that it comes through in the rest of the show the people aren't just like cardboard cutouts for you to like leer at there is actual characters going on even if there is like a degree of horniness to the show that is you know part of the appeal it's not accidental or low-key no and it's also still you know very nicely animated horniness yeah speaking of which (laughs) (laughs) i don't think we can pass up that transition andy sorry (laughs) the other show i've been watching this season is the second season of the case study of vanitas which is a steampunk uh, vampire story by the director of the monogatari series and but not Shinbo. Well, he was co-director on a lot of the early ones. He wasn't chief chief director. Chief director. It's, it's yeah. different. It's complicated. We don't want to get into it. We'll, we won't get details wrong if we if we do this. One of the directors on the Monogatari series is yeah. what we should say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's staffing is such a weird thing, but yeah, it's it certainly is. If you take all the horniest vampire stuff which went on in uh, Monogatari and you trans bought it into france this is what you get and i'm lapping it up it's just so such easy watching um and so ridiculously horny i'm just gonna ask um i don't having not watched the case study of vanitas let alone the first let alone the second season um did you ever watch le chevalier day on watched it a long time ago i have so little memory of it Cross-dressing, magical mm. French Revolution, like zombies and Robespierre. Mercury, mercury power, mercury-powered zombies. They use zombies to they use mercury yeah. to turn people into zombies. It can be controlled by Robespierre, the evil sorcerer. Uh, 
I didn't know how, like, this may not be useful to anybody, but, and you don't remember it, so we should just cut this. I but like, yeah, I, I, I wonder what the overlap is of like, because, you know, because anime has such a very specific idea of what pre-modern France looks like. And I was wondering if it was more like Rosa Versailles or something like darker or weirder or more apocalyptic, given that there are I like th- I vam- think vampires in the supernatural. <laughs> it's kind of just pick, pick and it's, it's not faithful. It's pick and choosy. It's, it's certainly mm. not uh, trying to be hist- historical. It's more, isn't Paris a wonderful city? And let's use that <laughs> as a, uh, as a, like both of its season one and season two's OPs are both one of the characters literally just wandering around Paris, just like starry eyed, just going, wow, wow, wow. And That's the Tower. you would do, do accordions play at any point. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. I think they're technically doing some of the f- the first <laughs> first OP, but it can't, can't have friends without accordion without accordions. Yeah. Well, how else do you meant to know you in France? You could just be in anywhere if there's no accordions. Well, you could have uh, bread, you could have a black and white striped shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> True. True. Baguettes. <laughs> the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. I think it has some similarity to things like this. Like its relationship to to that era of France is probably the same that you could say something that like um, Full Metal Alchemist's uh, relationship with um, uh, Weimar era Germany, for instance. Like there's obviously like um, inspirations in what the philosophers of that time were interested in. So in this case, like its magic is based around the idea of. Uh, maths like essentially one day someone changed the formula of the universe and that split it in in half and created a vampire dimension and like that that's 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 silly it's really silly sorry i need to i need to make a note for our episode titles just one moment (laughs) i'm there for that silliness though and it embraces that like sort of Dips into revolution era and slightly before that as well for its its influences in terms of its its fashion, but it, it dials it all up to ten. It's very much inspired by. So you have like an uh, entire character who is the who is the daughter of the Marquis de Sade and is like ah. uh, and is literally, literally called uh, is Dominique. Uh, that, and it's like right, right. You're out in the open there. It's no hiding about where your priorities are. And there is a, a, a sort of a John, like as with any, almost any time you get something vaguely supernatural or super hard to do with France, there's a, a Jean d'Arc kind of character. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, the good thing is that she's probably the best thing in it, uh, Jean, because uh, she is basically a, a, a complete and utter sundry of of the highest order like like a good sondre is a, a rare thing like that they're, they're so overused that it's very hard to get it right but you've got probably the most it's got a lot of um battle elements to it as well like it's far more action orientated than something like uh monogatari typically would be um and She's the most powerful character there, but she's also the most easily embarrassed. And so that's a, a winning combination a lot of the time. Like just um, the fact that one of the Vanitas, uh, the, the co-lead along with uh, uh, another character called Noi, um, he's just um, 
very conceited. He he's, has a very high opinion of himself and a very low opinion of everyone else. And mm. that with a, a, a Sundere girl who he knows how to get at is uh, is very amusing to watch, especially when she is a, an incredibly powerful vampire and therefore provoking her is not necessarily the, the wisest thing to do. And it's got good action. It's action's very strong as well. It's It was a lot of the first season I kind of watched, oh yeah, this is kind of pretty animated and I enjoy the character comedy. And then towards the end of it, they introduce the sort of one, two sets of antagonists, which is always seems to be a thing. Uh, I, I, I don't know why, but a lot of action anime seem to like not, like having just one set of antagonists, they like to have here you've got the the sort of church, and then you've got the uh, chaotic vampires, and those are both antagonists, and like mm-hmm. got people on either side who they're friends with, and t- typical for enemies. Jojo would be hundred percent at home here. Uh, to bring up another anime that you're probably going to just shrug at me and say is irrelevant, sounds kind of like the political landscape of Index a bit. Yeah, there's a bit of Index to it. I think Index is, is bad. <laughs> yeah, index index overly complicates it. This this is fairly interested in a few key characters within each faction, rather than the factions as over as like distinct political entities which are there, and we have to know what everyone's rank within that is, and and who is the great saint, and who is is so on yeah. and so on. Who's who's third ranked? And who's fifth ranked, etc. Instead, here it's more that power levels shit. Yeah. yeah. Instead, here it's more that you've got people who th- think that this split in the universe is something which is abhorrent and should be erased, and you've got the people who think it should be. It's it's kind of like the the, the vampire dimension is like the subtext of the universe, or in a weird way, like it's it's all the horniness, <laughs> all the all the base desires are are just tucked away in a different dimension, and one of the factions kind of wants to make that writ loud, and that's mm. that's the the plot, and it, it's kind of like that's not the worst of plots, like it's it's the, it's not incredibly original or incredibly thing, but it's it's kind of fun and it's kind of it allows you to have having such elemental factions rather than political factions means that it works well for characters so a character's personality is never one or the other it's always slightly in between and how they feel will take them between two and so you have people crossing between factions and their loyalties slightly changing and that makes for good drama and it's been very enjoyable for that like it's it's got very good interpersonal stuff and so it's just so goes down so easy it's just i look forward to it more than shows which are far more worthy and that's you seem to love it honestly you talk about it all the time (laughs) i do it's it's just it's just so fun it is every episode i'll watch it and there'll be at least one one scene which i'll laugh laugh at unrepentantly and there'll be at least one thing where uh, I will go, oh, wow, that's really well shot and that art's amazing. And, like, something giving me both of those every episode, like, that's that keeps me pretty happy. Yeah. Okay, well, speaking about pretty happy, uh, Andy, there's another season of Princess Connect, isn't there? Damn right there's another series of Princess Connect. Uh... He's glowing. <laughs> you, can't, you can't see him, listeners, but he's... He's beaming. I, I mean, I really enjoyed Princess Connect the first season, uh... 
And to me, it was just like a less skeevy uh, Konosuba, yeah. um, which may or may not be a- attracted to the show or not. Um, yeah, Jeff may modify that definition. <laughs> uh, no, and- that's, that's accurate. I, would, I wouldn't describe it as being boring Konosuba at all. <laughs> <laughs> sure i mean i chased kind of i have the other problem which is um since last year i also started playing the mobile game uh oh, so, yes. so oh, now, I'm, andy. now i'm fully invested Rip andy. Uh, don't worry don't worry andy i'm on your side gacha games are fine <laughs> oh mate good because i don't play anything else but the, on my phone um and yeah i uh i really really enjoyed the anime i i I like that it's not really following the mobile game story in the slightest, uh, and it's just doing its own weird thing, but introducing characters that were not introduced in the first season, um, even when they had their sort of like trademark mobile game episode where they just introduce a bunch of characters who are on there for five seconds, punch a dude, and then jump off. Um, they're actually now bringing in some of the other houses and I'm excited to see where it goes. It, also another show that has got a huge fucking boost in budget. Again, like the, the yeah. way that they constantly are changing all of their clothes all the time is, is really quite great. Uh, I have a feeling that some of them are related to the Gasher, uh, yeah, certain sure. Gasher Hopefully. events, <laughs> especially the idol clothes that they're in, uh, in the latest episode. Mm. But um, I yeah I I think it's uh, I think it's pretty fucking good. It's one of the most vibrant shows I've I've seen, Andy. Like it's it's so colourful. Like the first episode of the, this new se- season, they they go into like a coral forest and they just go yeah. full primary. Like no, well, not primary. Full. They can't be a primary pink. <laughs> There's no such thing as primary. <laughs> primary pink. pink. They go full colour wheel <laughs> on everything. They just they yeah, just it's like just it's just really vibrant. Really. <laughs> e- punchy animation mm-hmm. and it's i was wondering is is the gacha game the same is it is it something where the character design of this series has been informed by that or or is it a case that the series has gone okay we've got these characters how do we make the best of them and what what else can what can we bring to it from outside that because i'd say that's something it definitely has over konosuba konosuba's world is fine and is Konosuba's world's kind of dull, but in a good way, because it's very everyday and it, it suits the shittiness of the characters. Whereas this is yeah. vibrant and it suits the cheerfulness of the characters. Yeah, uh, I, would, I would say that the game does have battle stages that are in arenas that look similar to what was in that first episode. Ah. But whether that was a direct like one-to-one transition, I couldn't necessarily say. The English release of the mobile game is painfully slow and... Heels. It's going at like a one to one rate with how the original releases were, which just means that like we're we're like three years behind what Japan's mobile games got. I I would uh yeah I'd, I'd say that you're right in the way that they introduced separate some characters. So like the mob character of the the thieves that are in the first game, that then you find out like you meet her his mum. I completely forgot about that gag, and when that comes in and that guy's got a massive dumb afro. Uh, that was a that was a good bit, but like certainly the characterization of like the mob characters to sort of look menacing but then be weak as fuck is 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 brilliant, uh, and I I think that that really adds character to the show. Feels like a lot of the game, the story in the game is quite straight laced, um, and then you have like these personal stories which are a bit more comedy, and you also find that it's an isekai, which is very annoying 
because I really wish it wasn't. But it turns out that every... Fantasy, fantasy doesn't exist anymore. No, yeah, fantasy it, doesn't exist it anymore. It really <laughs> fucking doesn't, because it turns out in the video game, if you, you love a character enough and give them enough treats in your home or whatever, you unlock a side story where you, you faint and then you see her as a real character in the real world in like, I don't know, Shinjuku eating crepes. And then you talk about how delicious crepes are. And it's like, oh, right. Okay. So there's like, ah, fuck. I thought the one original thing that was going on is actually not original at all. <laughs> is every, is every character um, isekai then? Every like, female character. Every girl there. Like- Every female character, which is which is every character. <laughs> well, apart from the main character, that is is actually kind of original in a way, Andy. Like, I honestly can't th- think of any isekai when it's, it's like multiple people, uh, like sent there together. About? What about it's... what about Sword Art Online or Log Horizon? Like, that is the premise. The only difference is is that everyone apart from couple have forgotten that they were originally in a world it could be the neither guys of those are, neither of those are isekai uh, they're both not uh, true. trapped Sword in computer games definitely an isekai everything is isekai but not this one that would define this genre of isekai <laughs> i mean is is isekai the manner of transportation of the characters or the world they're transported to is i think what we're what we're stuck on um does it matter that you've been teleported to another world or is it important that the other world is real and not like the inside of a video game or a dream that you're having or a world that's created by like a timeline split or something. Arguing about the, arguing about the metaphysics of Isekai is just, is our pot that's beneath our podcast. We'll, we will, <laughs> we will instead make weird apologies towards Asama Najmi's character and fan service and currently airing anime. Uh, Don't want to talk about like what makes an Isekai. Cause I'm like, we're going to be talking about Ray Earth uh, after the break and like, that's an Isekai, but it doesn't like, obey a lot of the forms of it which is kind of why it's fun to watch yeah. at times so yeah i yeah i mean well, it's i'm glad you're still liking you it andy <laughs> yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's it's still it's still good and i'm looking forward to seeing where it goes can't imagine it goes anywhere fast uh speaking of of good speaking of going nowhere fast i don't know i don't watch king's ranking uh, does anyone, Andy? Andy, right? You are yeah. sorry. This is a me-heavy episode. Um, speaking of of good shows that go somewhere very quickly, King's Ranking. I after our last episode, I, I've pretty much devoured it all, apart from the last two episodes. Uh, and yeah, that that show's incredible. Like the art style we always mentioned, but I like it's very hard throughout the whole show to know where alliances lie and where the characters mm-hmm. are good or bad, and it. That's sort of the way that it is doing that in a what feels like a very naturalistic like way of introducing a complex character. It's boring having mm-hmm. everything yeah. front-loaded for a character and being like, he's bad, but he's actually got a good heart. That, to me, if you think like anime from like 20 years ago, like Record of Lodos War, you would get that front lore like pushed mm-hmm. on you and then it would just go into the current story. Um and it it really is like such a great such a great show of explaining these like shortcomings and and explains them in such clarity and beauty that I, I just adored it. Um, yeah, go watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lovely show. It's it's a show that's interested in characters and motivations and relationships, mm. and it does a really good job of fleshing them out. Yeah, it does a great job of seeding your expectations and then undermining them. And it's yeah, it's just a joy to watch. I, I highly recommend it to anybody, 
anime yeah. fan or not. Like I wouldn't even say like, oh, this is a good first anime. It's like no, it's just a good. It's a good show. It's a good it's, show. Yeah. In yeah. a lot of ways, it's good in a way. In in you know, it sidesteps a lot of the sort of tropes and story beats that you would expect from an anime. It manages to be just like a like a, a lovely like little fantasy story. Yeah, I would even say it sidesteps a lot of like medieval fantasy tropes as well. Uh, it, it certainly mm-hmm. it sounds certainly like it. has a lot of like basis in some sort of classic fairy tale stories, which you know. You mentioned we've mentioned in the last episode, but it even turns its head on those. Should also apologize slightly to Jeff for shitting on the way that you said it was like Western cartoon. I see where that comes from, especially in the the way that the devil is drawn. We've sort of like tusks coming out, but it's mm-hmm. flat, and then it's got like a heart <laughs> around the mouth, and then a mouth, and it looks like a very Adventure Time style. But to me, it looks kind of closer to like a One Piece style in my head. But like if you look at the way that the uh the king uh king dice uh uh Dysa, the brother of uh despa uh oh no des deschi mm-hmm. as opposed to despa um like you see that art yeah. and that grin and that to me just just screams arlong park from the original from like one of the first manga arcs of one piece um yeah just, just really fucking good um i am a little worried that uh, budget may have been downgraded in, in a little bit in the second season, but this could be Japanese going through another big wave of COVID at the mm. moment, and I think it's not unreasonable to think like that's going to happen as long as they keep the show functional and come back stronger. Then that's fine. But there's um, there's some like masterful fighting in the in the first season where. I think like my favorite fight was uh, when Hilling's bodyguard, like this this guy who's who's met, who's like a t- basically a tank, like he's fighting uh, these possessed dogs with just shields in this small corridor, and you've got this like three um, D perspective, and they're like bouncing off the roof, and it's cutting to his point of view, and it's twisting around, and it was it was wonderful. Yeah. And this season, it's just kind of been oh, still shot of him, him getting bitten, still shot of him punching something, and it's like yeah, it's definitely been some budget cuts, but I'm still enjoying the characters, so. Okay, I'll have faith in you. You you you'll recover. I didn't see that as budget cuts. I saw it as that just sort of emphasizing emphasizing the damage that he's in. Like I I didn't think there was any real budget cuts. Notably, it's worth mentioning as well that the fights are beautifully animated and also don't outstay their welcome. Like they are they mm-hmm. are one and done in about thirty minutes. To like that fight you mentioned is probably the longest fight in the whole anime so far, uh, and that was a good like five minutes. Um, uh, hey, speaking of our another fantasy entry, uh, the Genius Prince's Guide to Raising a Nation Out of Debt. Who's watching this? That's me, <laughs> Duncan. And this, you know how Jeff sort of described Princess Connect as boring Konosuba. This is kind of <laughs> non-horny Konosuba because um, it's that's what I said. Boring got... Konosuba. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. What, what's the <laughs> distinction between those two? One thing. Princess Connect has is that Yuki, the the lead male character, is just a dumbass angel. He he's completely and utterly harmless. He, unlike Konosuba, where you've got a complete shithead as as the lead character, and also the genius prince, where Prince Wine is just a complete shit. You you are supposed to both emphasize with him and kind of of like see the worst of yourself in him he's 
the prince of this tiny little nation in the north of a continent. It's got no good resources, it's got a tiny army, it's always having border disputes and everything's getting took over by larger countries. And he's just like, you know what? I just want to get a good treaty with a bigger country and retire. Just get paid off and sell the country out and just... It's too much hassle running this place. I just want a nice, easy life. The the comedy stems from him uh, like saying to his generals, okay, well, let's invade this this strategically important mine and thinking, okay, this is too well defended. They'll just go, there's no point attacking this. It's It's impossible. So that will cancel the war and we can just go back to having a nice, easy life. And then the general's going, no, our prince has inspired us. We will do this, even though it is impossible. And the the performances are decent. And so it, it's pulled it off so far. I don't know if it can really carry it for a full season, but I'll, I'll think I'll enjoy the couple of episodes I'm going to give it. But at the moment, it's one fairly simple joke pulled off well, and I'm... It's, it's it's just nice and dumb and relaxing, and that's that's good enough for me. That's all I have to say on it. <laughs> well, speaking of dumb and relaxing, we also have some shows that we're watching that aren't currently airing. So let's go ahead and take a break and then come back to talk about Magic Knight Ray Earth, Steins Gate, and something called Hype Mike. Hit Mike. I can't believe you don't know Hit Mike. Let's watch okay. Andy school me when we come back. And we're back. For starters, Jeff, you finally watched Steins Gate. What sort of paranoid conspiracy theories do you have about that? <laughs> mm. uh, o- only thematic ones, of course. Yeah. Steins Gate is... I'm just going to go... I don't think we've ever actually talked about Steins Gate, surprisingly. Oh, I'm sure we've talked about it briefly, but not extensively. It's kind of one of those animes that's just part of the anime like background that I guess everyone just assumes that you've already watched it. Oh, at least know what it is. I mean, we've only talked about March 3rd. Boy, did we not know it was coming down the pike. March 3rd, 2020. Uh, we talked yeah. about it briefly at the end of the episode. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Steinsgate is a show with time travel in it uh, that was adapted <laughs> from a visual novel of the same name. Uh Following the exploits of uh, Okabe Rintaro, uh, a.k.a. Okarine to his friends, a.k.a. Hoin Kyoma, uh, his mad scientist. uh, Chuni personality. Yeah, yeah, his like his his Chuni persona. uh, And yeah, it, it follows his exploits of fucking up the timeline real bad and then trying to unfuck it. And yeah, like it's it's it presents itself as a show about time travel. Uh, but I think the advantage it has over a typical show like that is that it's mostly there. I think because maybe Andy, you've played the game, right? Yeah, yeah. The time travel aspect seems to mostly exist like a sort of in-world reason for the main character to be able to jump around the timeline and redo things while also retaining memories of what he's done in previous go-throughs, like you would do in a visual novel? No. So actually, <laughs> the, the, the visual awesome. novel is, is played as the anime is played. It's just everything is, uh, everything is like, he just jumps through and through and through. Um, 
I think the the version of time travel that you're thinking of, I believe, is actually Mub Love Alternative, um, but uh, which I spoke about. <laughs> I was thinking about that last episode, but yeah, the show it mostly it it follows Okabe uh, trying, you know, at first recklessly, you know, using time travel for his own amusement or not taking it overly seriously, and getting himself into a situation where fate or something it's never really clearly explained why it happens but one of his close friends his his uh, childhood friend is basically ends up being destined to die and he then has to find out ways to basically undo all of the previous changes that he's done to the timeline to get back to you know the steins gate line which is just a, a name that he arbitrarily calls it because he loves to give everything overly dramatic names and yeah it's 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 a show that has a lot of flaws but also has a lot of heart and i i quite yeah. enjoy it have as have either of you guys or any of you guys seen it before i i think i watched it back in 2012 or 2013 i enjoyed it a lot i remember reading when you were finishing it up and you were talking about the various plot flourishes that there's a lot of stuff I don't remember. Um, there are this is the kind of anime that stands out in your mind uh, half a decade later as like just weird moments. The Tutoru, uh, the weird like homoeroticism <laughs> between uh, between Rintaro and that one guy. Um, I I like the vibe. I think that there is like, and this is generally I think with the science adventure stories is there's like a good mm-hmm. sense of like paranoia and urgency in mm-hmm. these. Um, and maybe that comes from their visual novel bones. Um, but like in terms of like being way too online during the first wave of like popularly available internet with chat rooms and just like shitty HTML blogs, um, it captures that really well up there with welcome to the NHK, which is mm-hmm. ultimately, I think probably an inferior work, but still along the same lines. Uh, I, I was just going to say, I also really like the the way that like conspiracy stuff is fed in through these ridiculous online stuff is is really fun and sort of reminiscent of old channel boards that we don't have anymore. Yeah, well, we do. They just they're full of racists now. <laughs> yeah, they're full of race. It was full of racism <laughs> back then too. Nothing's changed. But it's just like I wonder, given the birth of a certain very popular conspiracy theory. I wonder how this show will now age uh, in relation to it. Um, because, I mean, John Titor isn't Q, but it's fascinating seeing how the populace can be so easily won over by these stupid conspiracy theories. And you only need one of them to be true. Whenever you can, whenever you can, put, a, whenever you can put a face and a name to something, it suddenly becomes like instantly more believable. And I think that Steins Gate kind of captures that. Mm-hmm. With, like, the time travel girl and, like, yeah, Rintaro yeah. taking on the burden of reality. So, and, and the general vibe of the sort of like mid aughts paranoia, where we still kind of believe that you know the world was going to change as a result of some shadowy group's explicit desires yeah. and and like and projects, you know, and the and and the idea that like we would enter into like a techno dystopia as opposed to just sort of fall like on purpose as opposed to just kind of falling backwards into it like we are now and there's also kind of a weird like so some of my issues of the with the show is that the 
like the like the show itself does not seem to have a very high opinion of anybody trying to change the world for the better like in a way you could look at all the different characters and sort of see how they represent different desires and you have uh ferris who we learn through the series is solely and personally responsible for the moe explosion in akihabara because her family (laughs) owns all the land and she asked her dad to do it when she was a kid uh, I, I it came screaming back in a way that like only anime can't. Only when you when you've ever watched like 500 <laughs> anime shows, you're like oh my god, just the yeah. the cat staring yeah. off into the <laughs> to infinity, just oh, <laughs> see everything. And she uses the, the time travel plot device to bring her dad back to life. You have Ruka, the extremely feminine man who the show loves to just remind you that this is a guy, by the way, this is not a girl. It's a guy. It's the most beautiful girl in the show, but it's a guy. Isn't it funny that it's a guy she wants, you know, he wants to be a, a woman. And so they have them use these, they like the, the time, like the first, so they, they go through a bunch of different kinds of time travel, which is sort of annoying. And the first one they come across is the ability to send text messages into the past because they discover that like, you know, if you try to send people into the past, they turn into jelly because of the compression that happens. It's going basically through a black hole. But if you send like, you know, a few bytes of information, like with a text message, you can, you know, it can go back and actually have an effect. And they send a text message to Ruka's mother's pager in the early nineties, telling her to eat lots of vegetables instead of lots of meat. So that that Ruka will be born as a woman and it works. (laughs) Yeah. And, and then you have Moeka, the sort of like shut in neat, like net addict who signs on to a like, you know, shadowy organizational kill squad for Internet approval, more or less. And all of their sort of wishes that come true as a result of this, I think, sort of track on to what the director uh or what the original author sees as being sort of destructive impulses of trying to change things unnaturally. And that's one thing I think is a huge bummer about the show is that Ruka is sort of treated as an object lesson of somebody who is like unable to accept reality, quote unquote, biological reality. And that, that really does not age very well. And that's a, that's a huge bummer. I can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine like, I like, honestly, I like the extremely feminine man who, like, is kind of abstractly following, in anime, is kind of abstractly following manhood, but is is obviously, at at best, non-binary, if not, like, a trans woman under a more, like, versatile system. But God, I bet it ages, I bet it ages terribly. Yeah. He's so, he's so humiliated by how he's attracted to him, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, like, uh, it, like they say, like, explicitly that, like, if I, you know... You know, she turned. You know, she turns herself into a woman, and then Rintaro basically has to convince everybody who's you know had their wish come true to go back to you know the way things are supposed to be because you know oh we're living in a <laughs> yeah. dream now and part of Ruka's I hesitancy to do it is that you know she's been madly in love with uh, Rintaro since you know he sort of stepped up and like defended him from like street harassment and said oh it doesn't matter what you are it's just what you believe you are and you know she's the only one who calls him kyoma who is his like chuny personality because you know that that plays really well into their character but then also it's like oh you have to like i have to seal this away i have to go back to the real world 
And 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 what's a huge bummer is that you get the sense that the show has a lot of sympathy for Ruka, but then just so it's like, but you know, this is reality. You know, it can't be this way, and that sucks. And like the way the yeah. sh- and the show sort of like the antidote for the show seems to be, you know, don't try and change these things. You have to go with the flow to find happiness, and the key to life is to like get a big group of friends and then get really into moe culture and then you'll be fine in in the in the ova the 25th episode they show ruka gaining uh acceptance for being a mask you know a, a feminine male by getting into cosplay and having crowds of people going yeah it's a guy in in women's outfit and and you know and then you know she feels happy and acceptance and the way the show is like i had joked about it in the in the chat that you know this is the show that says you know the key to happiness is to get into anime and that I, it, it seems like that is what it is unironically suggesting is that this is how you do it you know you don't try and change the world you don't try and change yourself you just knuckle down find some friends who are nice to you or nice enough to you and then just get into a weird subculture and you'll be happy it's kind of it's kind of dress up darling but like for an earlier (laughs) generation almost it feels like yeah instead of just like accepting that you'll never have normal friends you should have weird friends it's (laughs) like maybe your maybe your weird friends will be normal so (laughs) i don't know can i ask you free a a question about it because this Uh this is the one series i bounced off so hard that it kind of like normally if I, I hate something it'll at least inspire curiosity like like why is this so bad like what went wrong yet Steinsgate for whatever reason I just kind of is like an utter void of interest like it's I know other people like it and I remember hating it and like it just disappears into a, a blank void where I can't even remember the reason and that's weird for me and listening to you guys talk about it now do you actually like any of the characters because you you kind of made it sound like the way it talks about them each of them is really unsympathetic they're all all wrong to want to change the way their lives are is they're all essentially greedy and uh and uh the the lead is kind of someone who's very much imposing his own choice on everyone else like it it doesn't sound like a particularly likable bunch it's like i'm i'm trying to to figure out what what pushed me so far far off this the the one good i think a lot of what steinsgate that worked for me is like yes all these people suck even even though i like um i don't know any of the characters names besides <laughs> rintaro so like tsundere redhead time traveler girl yeah, Chris. Yes. Like even even her like she she obviously has a mission and she's got like a good thing, but like I think the point one of the points of Steinsgate and Jeff can like just slap me down brutally <laughs> in my face. But but the Tutoru girl, I don't remember anyone's name. Again, uh, uh Tutoru girl, uh Myri um is is like the one good soul that they have to shepherd through this crisis. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like one of the points is that like it's a bunch of bad people, a, a circle of kind of shitty people realizing they have one good friend and like 
they need to protect and uplift her. And I think that honestly, I don't know. I don't know what y'all's like <laughs> early 2000s experience of the internet was, but I do think that Steins Gate is kind of a, a, an object of its time. Mm-hmm. And this idea of just like, everyone is just too online, too paranoid, too burnt out, too horny to like function. And there's this one girl and Yes, her only personality trait is that she's got a very annoying catchphrase, but she seems like a very nice person and she deserves to live. And so it's these people, it's like a bunch of shitty assholes coming together to save like one, one pure baby. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of what I got out of Steins Gate and why when they announced Steins Gate Zero, I was like, what story do you have to tell? Like you, you told a complete, st- I, I, I'm always baffled by this. I was really mad when like, station 11 ended and there was a bunch of cbr articles it's like what is station 11 season two going to happen like no the story the story's over station 12. but station 12 oh god and, oh my god yeah um, like, I, i'll agree with you watch that. station 11 watch station 11 <laughs> by the way <laughs> grabbing the mic watch station 11 um but yes uh and yeah like it, jeff please um, elaborate on what i said <laughs> what yeah like she is definitely sort of the like you were saying, like the, like the moral heart, you know, as imagined by this world of this show. And she basically just hangs out. She brings people into the, the group. She shows them around and she gives everybody, you know, she's especially just nice. Yeah, she's just nice. She's just very nice. <laughs> and there is sort of an implication that either she is some kind of spiritual being or is like in the process of a weird time loop herself. But that is never, ever expanded on like it's it's hinted at in the first couple of episodes and then that just goes away process of a weird time loop (laughs) (laughs) and yeah like okabe trying to save her becoming his like that it it almost feels like like just like a plot contrivance for him to like do more time travel stuff it's like i said like like i i enjoy the show i enjoy the characters obviously more so than duncan did a lot and it, and for the most part it is you know the mono anime story of how you know human bonds are what are good actually blah 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 <laughs> and like the follow-up movie is basically and like i like the follow-up movie because it is shifts the focus from okabe to krisu who then needs to save okabe and so like mm-hmm. it, it it's sort of like you know it, it reinforces the idea that like you know we're not we can't do this alone. We can't change the world by ourselves. That is going to lead to disaster. We have to, you know, everybody has to work together to, to help each other. And it kind of seems like a plot contrivance that Mairi is the one it ends up being focused on. And just because he, you know, she is precious to Okabe. And then we, you know, it slowly is revealed that he has feelings for Krisu as well. And all of that is basically sort of just there and inevitable it feels like and yeah like i it i had a fun time watching this show that you know i've i've heard i've seen the name like for me it was mostly just like i could never remember if it was like fate grand order and steins gate just kind of like mixed together in my head and then i was just like i'm gonna i'm gonna check the shit out and see what it's actually like and yeah it's pretty good yeah it reminds me there's sort of an urban paranoia genre mm-hmm. that like briefly bubbled up in like the 2000 through like whatever fucking year Dura Ra Ra aired. Yeah. Like 
because we have we have like this idea that there that like the reality we experience is this like superficial layer of reality on over like a very like paranoid techno utopian techno dystopian reality and like people just getting really into the internet like makes you one of the illuminati Mm -hmm. and like that is a as you said when you introduced steins gate in the beginning that's a very like early to mid 2000s like worldview of just like the Illuminati are all the people who own shit on the internet. And then we found out that they're all just assholes who are investing in cryptocurrency now, (laughs) but there's a kind of a nostalgia to just like, to just like, Oh yeah. Uh, we can find the reality of this world. And it's just, it it involves just going to the right website and talking with the right people. And I think that that's what it shares with the rah, rah, rah. But, um, the rah, rah, rah has like five seasons (laughs) and Steins gate. Has one. It has two speciously, but I don't watch the second. I, I'm not interested in Steins Gate Zero. Sorry. Yeah, I watched um, the first couple of episodes. Own, own me someday. Own me someday. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'm ever actually going to watch it because I felt exactly the same as you did. The it the story felt over, and it is explicitly a story where in the 23rd episode he tries to go because in the in the original timeline Kurisu is dead. She was stabbed by an unknown party. So. You know, going back to the original timeline means that this person that he's now formed an attachment to is dead. He's like, okay, this time I'm going to make it so that I can actually change the world for the good. And goes to save her. And Steins Gate Zero spins off from the idea because, like, you know, in the 23rd episode, he accidentally finds out that he's the one who kills her by trying to go back and save her. And so he just says, "I I can't do it anymore. I am giving up on time travel and it's like six months later and he is like having flashbacks from doing time travel and Kurisu is back as an AI because she was involved with like brain scan technology in America and then (laughs) it's all going to end up with like oh he accidentally tells her about time travel and he has to kill her and blah 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 and I'm just I'm not interested it's just I'm never going to watch it. I don't think unless I would get really desperate for shit to watch. <laughs> yeah. The, the, like the paranoid interpersonal element that doesn't like link up to the like societal, like internet relationship, like all these like fake empty relationships and how they like distill into real relationships over the course of Steins Gate, I think is, is important. Mm-hmm. And once the characters are, are established, you only have a limited amount of time that they have, they have the same juice in them before it becomes a different kind of story. And so once signs get zero is announced, I was like, yeah, I was like, this is done. So um, I'm always open to it being good. I would love more good things to exist in the world. There's a <laughs> finite number, unfortunately, but I don't believe this is one of them. And speaking of that ambiguity, uh, I'm watching magic night. Ray earth <laughs> magic night. Ray earth is a, <laughs> don't laugh at me, Jeff. How dare you? It's a, uh, a, a, 1994 anime um, directed by Toshihiro Hirano uh, and uh, the studio is Tokyo Movie Shinsa uh, based on a clamp clamp manga from the previous year. Um, It is one of the proto-isekai. It is also kind of like a weird precursor to uh, Escaflone because it is a proto-isekai magical girl giant robot shoujo (laughs) anime that eventually becomes a proto isekai magical girl giant robot shoujo anime um 
And so being into Escaflone and like having just like two years ago, like my world was destroyed by Escaflone. Uh, you can listen to that episode. Just search our website for Escaflone. You'll you'll find it. I promise. Uh, but but uh I was kind of disappointed. So at first, okay, we have a relationship with Clamp. We just had a tween about a Clamp, a Clamp uh, media piece. Uh, we shat on it a lot, so that's <laughs> that's inauspicious. Um, this is less of Clamp's excesses. I did find it very boring at first because it's these three girls with three very distinct personalities. There's the childish Genki girl, um, uh, <laughs> uh, Hikaru, the uh, Genki. Childish Genki girl. She's a, she's very short. Everyone thinks she's a grade schooler because of how short she is. And then there is Fu Honoji, who is the mature, slightly nerdy one, who's very kind and very rational. And then there's Umi Ryuzaki, who's a fucking idiot and can't do anything right. What an, what a just absolute just waste of space. What a what a dumbass. Yeah, she's the best girl. Um, <laughs> I love I love me Ojo Ojo Samas, but man, someone who wrote this this manga really did not like Ojo's because she is like she's cowardly, stupid, impulsive, petty, um, uh, unobservant, uh, easily flattered. Has difficulty, yeah, easily flattered. Has difficulty thinking things through. She's such a and and the end of the um the first dozen episodes are like her like stepping in. She's the first person to unlock her robot. And as, as I said, uh, Ray Earth finally gets good when they like begin to find the robots. But, but before them, they're transported to save this world where belief is reality. Um, but the queen who has the most reality belief whatever juice. is imprisoned by an evil high priest. <laughs> it's juice. Um, and but her last bit of juice is used to summon these three girls, uh, and they just kind of like slowly level up over the course of like nine episodes. Mm-hmm. They like meet a monster or a guy from the high priest or a girl from the high priest who's like come to kill them, and they like discover some inner strength and defeat the attacker, and then the next episode happens. And that was pretty boring. But as they as they as the world gets weirder and as the world gets fuller of characters, I think it finally does come into its own as like. I mean, I know people who fucking love Magic Knight Ray Earth, and I'm excited to be there, too. But for now, it's mostly just interesting that Umi gets her first thing. And it's because, like, this weird dragon's like, hey, abandon your friends. That's what a hero would do, because you're the only person who can save the world. And then she has a big, like, five-minute thing where she wrestles with it. And she's like, no, I shouldn't abandon my friends. And the dragon's like, that was correct, and then becomes a robot. And that is, that's what I'm here for. That was the test. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like the art. I like how everyone's weird. I like, I know that you complain about this, Jeff, but I like the constant animation style switching. I like that, like, someone gets insulted and the animation style, like, instantly collapses from this very lush, like, mid-2000, mid-1990s animation into just, like, crappy chibi forms where they all, like, Mm -hmm. have floating things. Uh, Mokin is a boss. That fucking that fucking rabbit. Yeah, the weird Uh, rabbit I'm going to post so many GIFs. (laughs) I'm going to post so many GIFs to the Facebook of like, they're like, Mokuna, we're trapped. And Mokuna's like, poo-poo. And then just like, her like, head laser beam just like draws this like really intricate like seal and something magic happens. Like, Mokuna, you can do magic. And Mokuna's like, poo-poo, and bounces away. <laughs> what a, what a, what an awesome, awesome character. I'm here for that. Is Mokuna yeah, like the mascot so far, character then? Yeah. 
Kind of, yeah. She's like, an, she, imagine if like an egg and a rabbit had a baby and it was also an egg, but it had ears. That's kind of Mokuna. <laughs> sounds very similar to something from Exaholic. Let's have a look. Yeah. Was well, an Exaholic also the... clamp? So yeah, triple. Yeah, there we go. Same thing. So yeah, it's obviously <laughs> a character they enjo- enjoyed and literally used twice. Because why not? And no, I, well, Mokin is fucking everywhere in, in Rare, so who knows if that is like a reference or a precursor? Because there are so many times they're trapped and they're like, Mokin, you could have saved us. And Mokin was like, poo poo. And then just like uses his laser beam to like drill a door through the through the rock wall. And they're like, what the fuck, Mokina? And Mokin's <laughs> like, I'm a fucking rabbit. What'd you expect? But also, Mokina feels very proto proto QB, I think, also from, from Madoka. Like this like character who are like, Wait, you could have saved us, saved us all this time, and the character's like, "Yeah, but I didn't." What are you going to do about it? <laughs> it's just like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm enjoying it. It's finally kicked off. I was very bored until episode eight or nine, and then it finally like shit started happening. Um, it's still one of those situations where no, you cannot understand why anyone would ever work for the bad guy because he's just obviously evil. Like, this is a world where belief becomes reality, so believing things makes them real, which is why magic works so well. Um, And this is a guy who's just like, I want the world to suck, because (laughs) then I'll be powerful, because everyone else will be disabled by how sucky this world is. And it's just like, why would you work for this guy? (laughs) But but that's that's basically every TV show with a villain, I feel like, these days. I'm just like, quit your job. Stop working for this guy. (laughs) And yeah, like my like I also appreciate wow. the like the the wacky art style. It's just that the execution of it it seems like a game of exquisite corpse where somebody got, was like they yeah. were they were told what the last person animated, but they were not told how they did it, and so there will just be like hard like changes between like one and the other that does not seem directed as much as like just the result of the the production process. But right, it's, it's a reflection of tone, a hundred percent. Yeah, but yeah, and but like yeah, like it's. I think it's just for the most part, it's an artifact of it also being probably an older series. And I actually have, have no real idea of how powerful or big Clamp was in the early '90s. If they were just like swimming in money, or if they were still kind of like emerging at that point. I, I would say that like the imperial era of clamp is is like the late nineties and moving on into the two thousands because that's when they've made several influential things and now they are like behind like Angelic Lair, Triple X Holic, Chobits. Uh yeah, there's they have a lot of stuff that's being hit. Also found out one of the artists pen name is Mokuna, so that's weird. We just literally have a character named after one of the people drawing the manga who is like a weird egg rabbit who solves all their problems. <laughs> this is artist insert. Uh, I don't know. I'm excited to hear more. The first the first season, the first the first twenty episodes are supposed to be the great episodes. Um it's only gotten good like a third of the way in, so who knows how that's gonna happen. Uh, and then there's the second season, which some people say is great, and some people say is an utter betrayal of the original show's principles. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen those principles on display very much, so I don't really know what to think about them. But I will keep you all appraised. If it's good yeah. enough to like be talked about alone, it'll be a tween. If not, I'll just talk about it. I mean, I finished the Dirty Pair series. I liked that in the end. It was pretty boring, so I didn't bring it up again. Um, <laughs> this may be the same thing. Uh, I'm, I'll watch the movies eventually, Duncan. Talking about wacky stuff. 
I've been watching um, Hypnosis Mike, Division Rap Battle, Rhyme Anima, um, which is an anime based off another Mobage, like uh, like Princess Connect, but it's not because I think it came out as CDs first. Anyway, the story is um, inspired mm-hmm. and wild, and I fucking love it. And it's about um, a result. It says here, as a result of swooping in during the chaos, the all-female party of words. Uh, so there's an all-female government called Party of Word that's ruling over Japanese government. They have banned all guns and weapons, and instead, the people have to fight with microphones, which... <laughs> uh, with microphones... Uh, are, are they are they just regular microphones? That No, this is important. Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked. It's, it's mentioned. Um, so they are called hypnosis, hypnosis microphones, and um, the idea is that the lyrics that are, oh are spat through these microphones um, affect the listener's brain and causes physical damage. Um, <laughs> now, it's also worth mentioning... Why not just have guns? <laughs> I... No, no, their songs are a killing word, Jeff. <laughs> MC Mwadib in the house. <laughs> this is a... A series and a project that clearly came from they had some really great music and then they were like how can we turn this into a, a show after they had a game which also got very successful um and so they've they come up with this this wild plot story it even says here the women all the women in japan now live in chuoku uh, while the men battle over the surrounding territories outside the ward through rap battles and that is primarily where the fighting and the hilarious the hilarity begins with this show because uh, as you might have already worked out it doesn't make sense <laughs> that yeah. one of them is actually a gang so it follows three groups i'm going to forget all their names but one is called uh one is called like the 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 Boyson Battle Brothers something like that one is like the the cute guys who just do like really airy hip hop um, and then there's another one, which is um, a, a bent cop, um, an ex-army fella, no, a bent navy fella, and then also a bent doctor, uh, doctor called the Killing Joke, and they, or or Death Joke. I can't remember their their names of all of the uh, all of the 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 bands. Um, but yeah, they 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 do they start rapping, and the first time you see them is is one of the the bent cop and the oh, the yakuza guy um, gets uh, meets a bunch of other people who are also yakuza, and then they sort of try to tell them to stop selling drugs, which, as we all know, is a is a hardwired way to know that they're really bad guys if they're doing drugs. Um, and then dangerous uh, drugs, dangerous. They're so dangerous. Uh, and then they. Uh, they they then talk and then they you know they whip out their hypnosis mics, um, which are usually hilariously in a gun holster of some sort, because why not? <laughs> they then start music starts playing in the background. Don't know how. Uh, it doesn't matter. And then a sort of JoJo stand like thing appears behind them, which all invariably have some sort of. DJ decks or um, microphones or 
or sound blaster system sort of incorporated into it. So this one guy is a giant fucking skull with a massive like speaker in its mouth. And then they rap some like some sick beats and then people die and it makes no sense. And you're just like, what the fuck am I watching? This sounds like dog shit, Andy. What the fuck? <laughs> but this is the thing. This is this is the thing. Yeah, it it does sound like dog shit. And I agree with you. Like the second episode, some there's a terrorist. A terrorist exists in this world who has <laughs> and I quote unregistered microphones. And that's bad. And then he he opens his trench coat and he's just got he's got rows of microphones. And then the police go, oh no, if they start using them, you don't know what's going to happen. And I'm just like, he's probably just going to sing at you. Like, what's your problem? It's, what's he's, your problem? he's literally the, the Il then, Duce of microphones where he just opens his coat and just like lines and lines. He's yeah, just like, yeah. he's going to keep singing at you. Yeah. You can't stop him. They're all going to be on it. It's just going to have so much reverb. Your brain's going to explode. Uh, meanwhile, sounds terrible, Andy. <laughs> meanwhile, uh, I think it's Ichiro Yamada, who is um, MC Big Bro. That's his name. Uh, and uh, he's part of the uh, Naughty Busters. Um, sorry, the Buster Bros. He was He was caught in the terrorist act. But his younger brother was cleaning his microphone, which is why he didn't have it. So they had to find out a way to get the microphone into the room. And it's so fucking dumb. But holy shit, is it a laugh a minute? Because it's one of those traditional, like, highfalutin anime stuff that I love where they have a concept that's so ridiculous, but they they buy into it so wholeheartedly it's like a, a joke higher than the joke because there is like, they don't even see the joke. It is just there staring at you all the time and it's hilarious, but they don't acknowledge the joke. They just, they just sort of, they just play it completely straight and that's why it works. And it kind of like, a, I don't know, like an episode of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, you know? Like, there's, there's an asterisk next to works, by the way. But yes, keep <laughs> yeah. going, Andy. Oh, oh yeah, huge. Like they, they eventually have a rap battle. So they go into rap battles. And I don't understand and they don't care to explain how the metrics of rap battles work. Because so far, all that's happened... Does someone just die? Does someone just die? <laughs> so far, somebody comes in with a bunch of goons around one person. And then he just literally... like His persona comes out. He, he spits a couple of beats... And then they all just explode and fall on the ground dead or like incapacitated. And then they escape. There's there's no ideal of sort of like going back and forth as a rap battle. Right. It's a wild show. It's absolutely insane. It's, it, it, it's, it's literally the equivalent of a bunch of like goons being thrown at like a super fighter on the street. And he just like explodes all their heads one by one very mm -hmm. calmly. But, but also no... Jesus, this sounds terrible, Andy. It's, I mean... It's so good, it's bad. Like, bad, it's it's not, like... It's well animated. It's got a real... Like, the songs are genuinely really good. And the the idea that it's so bad is good, I, I don't think really applies, because it's just straight up, like, funny and works in the context of the bad. show. It, it's, it's good. <laughs> I'm just looking at characters on the Wikipedia page. Kuko Harai... Kuko uses the name <laughs> Evil Monk. He is 19 years old and yep. a monk. Yep. He used yep. to be in a group with Ichiro known as the Naughty Busters, but now he's uh -huh. in the group Badass Temple. Yes, Badass His Temple. His solo song That's... is Sagyar and Bam. 
Jesus, Andy. I think maybe there is an explanation if you look at the the staff. Like, so this is from the writer of Yu-Gi-Oh. Like, he's yeah, very, very much done. Like, if you think of the absurd things which will happen in a card game, specifically that card game anime, then I think that, that having a rap battle thing is is probably not the most absurd set of rules that writers dealt with. But no, that would po- definitely be uh, playing playing card games on motorcycles, hundred percent. But anyway, possibly the more important one, as far as I'm concerned, is that it's from the director of Symphogear, which I would use many of the <laughs> same things to describe that Andy would describe this, that it has a completely and utterly ridiculous plot, but it just sincerely loves every character and just wholeheartedly dives into it and just goes with it. If if a character is going to literally throw a rope up, up to the moon and drag it at the earth, fair enough, <laughs> go with it. Um, if yeah. by that standards, having mics which are kept in holsters seems fairly tame. So I, I think they can it, kill people. Apparently, I, yeah. I, I mean, Shit. to be fair, one of the stands that a guy has is literally some bazookas that blows Stand. up a bunch of people. Like when he starts rapping, he has a bazooka. It, it's 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 weird. It's a very but like you said, it 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 commits wholeheartedly, and that's why it's so enjoyable. Um. It also feels like very much a sort of like uh, a female aimed. It's a it's a female aimed show because they're all really pretty boys, um, and I feel that it's kind of a thing where for some of those, but you know, it's not just good enough that they're idols because idol anime is to a penny. They have to have something different and they have to have something edgy, and otherwise you're just not going to be interested. And the edginess comes out, and it's really funny, and then. You just live off the weird edge. <laughs> it comes out because it because it comes out because the loser of the song competition explodes like a fucking corpse bomb. So. <laughs> is the production good, Andy? Uh, yeah, the, the the production is it well animated. The, the, the production is well animated. It does fall into CG, like when the uh, when they start doing the okay. rapping, but the actual CG is very nicely done, uh, and the you know the. It's it's very well animated, apart from when they can't be asked to animate a rap, so they just yeah, it's it's a one yeah, pictures, yeah, it's so yeah, good, good cloud. It, it's a real studio. I, I I really enjoy it. I'm forward to seeing where it goes, but I I I'm just bought into the world, and I can't wait to see the stupidity of what comes next. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna have a psychic break if we keep talking about. <laughs> talking about the lethal rap anime that Andy's watching. So, um, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice. Find us on Facebook, search for Keyframes Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Keyframes Podcast. Uh, email us questions. Ask Andy what's, <laughs> what's going on, buddy, at uh, keyframespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, write us in about next episode. We will be talking about depictions of religion in anime. Um, maybe just pre-write some hate mail for us, just to save us all time with that. With that, <laughs> but, with but that topic. But most fan. of all, tell a friend. <laughs> tell a friend about the sharp decline of your favorite <laughs> anime podcast. <laughs> what kind uh, of friend, only the Andy? Ones that have what have, kind of friend? Don't leave him hanging. Not that kind of friend. Not the kind of friend who would leave a the friend one, hanging. The one that. That drops the sickest bars. What Ibo <laughs> do I have? What Aniki? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>
Bye. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, my God. What a weird episode. Jesus Christ.